0: Hello! And welcome to the Berman Hour Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman. Welcome to the Into Oblivion series on the Berman Hour Podcast. Now, normally I'm talking to people from all walks of life, but for this Into Oblivion series, I am talking to the people that I worked with on my new record, Oblivion, which is out February 4th of next year. It's right around the corner, baby. And you can pre-order your copy of the record or CD now. If you're in North America, Order through AF Records. If you're in Germany, anywhere in Europe, or in the UK, order from Gunner Records. And if you can't remember that or you don't know what any of that means, go to DividedHeaven.com and you'll see links for both pre-orders. No matter where you are in the world, we can get this record to you, and I am so excited to share it with you. Thanks again to our partners, PunkNews.org, for doing this endeavor with us. Also, I want to say that Burn Me has been out for almost a month, and it's doing really well. If you haven't yet, please check it out on any of the streaming platforms. It's, of course, going to be on Oblivion, but I want you to hear it now. And if my math is correct, this podcast will drop Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. And on Wednesday, December 1st, we have a brand new Divided Heaven song premiering at Under the Radar. It's called Beginning of the end. It was produced by Frank Turner. This song is fucking cool. But we'll talk more about that next week. Now I want to talk about my guest this week, Lucas Rins. Luke Rinz is a great bass player. You heard him on Burn Me. You heard him on They Poisoned Our Fathers. He's played with Divided Heaven. He's played with Sayest Claire. He's played with Loka Connie for years. He's a Jersey Philly guy. Now he's living out in the desert. We had the damnedest time Trying to figure out a way to connect to actually do this interview because his internet is so shoddy because he's that remote <laughs> out in the Joshua Tree, Yucca Valley area. So what you're gonna hear is gonna is just a brief interview, but it is it's a voice note recording of a FaceTime audio call. So bear with us. But yes, get to Luke in a minute. Thanks again to Charlie Stavish, my guest last week. Like I said, if you want to make a record with Charlie Stavish, he'll make a record with you, and it'll be fantastic. So I highly, highly recommend it. And with that said, pre-order the record. Check out the singles on Spotify. Baby in the Band is almost at 100,000 streams. That's crazy. That's insane. I'm so stoked. But anyway, here's my conversation with Lucas Rins, bass player extraordinaire. Let's get it.
1: Sounds like a confession tape from the nineteen eighties or something. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <man>. Exactly.
0: <laughs> How are you doing man?
1: I'm doing very well. Uh just out back out here in California with our little... That's, why, I guess, why our times were getting a little confused here. But um, doing well. Um, back at the restaurant that I was working at before that, that my, uh, my girlfriend's sister and her wife own, La Copine. La Copine, so I'm of course. Cook- yeah, so I'm prep cooking there and uh, just been writing a lot of music recently. Funny enough, today, in just about an hour and a half, I'll be going over to Charlie's and I'm going to start... Um, a session, and Aaron and Ben will be uh, joining along as well, so it'll be a nice nice few days off to get to go into the studio and stuff.
0: Excellent, man. Uh, who, can I ask who you're working with?
1: Yeah, so that's an uh, art uh, our- by the name of James Taylor, Uh, not the James Taylor, but that's just uh, his name and that's what he goes by. But um, (laughs) uh, he used to live out in the Joshua Tree or Yucca Valley area and uh, met Charlie through friends, I guess, and ended up doing a record a couple of years ago with him that Aaron and Ben and I all played on. And it went really well. Uh, We did it straight to the tape machine. And so he's decided to um get back in and do another record so we're gonna do we're gonna start today and hopefully monday tuesday wednesday and then monday and tuesday of next week we'll get his record done
0: oh yeah man that's awesome but your your yeah. your roots are kind of where mine are like I, i'm i'm in lancaster pennsylvania now but you're from philly is that right
1: yeah just outside uh jersey originally like i was Born in Trenton and uh, lived uh, outside of Trenton in Ewing for a while, and then uh, moved to uh, like Lambertville, New Jersey, outside of Lambertville for the majority of like my formative years and stuff. Yeah. Um, but then once once I got out of high school and stuff, I definitely spent a lot more time in Philly, just playing in bands and um, hanging with friends and stuff. That became a lot of uh, a lot of my hangs for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. What's your connection to Southern California, particularly Joshua Tree, Yucca Valley?
1: The restaurant, like Lacopine and and uh, my girlfriend Allie and her um, her sister and her wife they they run the restaurant and they came out here like six or seven years ago to open the restaurant and mm-hmm. so they've been out here and I think it was about five uh, years ago so that I came out here for a Christmas visit with Allie to meet them and ended up meeting Charlie and uh on that trip as well. And so that was like the start of my um that was the start of my introduction to this area. Oh, and cool. uh yeah, and so I would spend—I was like touring a little bit at the time, so I would spend time back and forth, off and on, uh, East Coast, West Coast, from Philly to here or Joshua Tree area, and then during the pandemic, I spent pretty much the whole time out here. So I'm kind of feeling like uh, I'm I'm out here now, you know.
0: You're Californian.
1: I guess so for for the time being. yeah the sunshine's nice
0: yeah i was thinking about it i remember that you and i met in austin texas at south by southwest a few years ago
1: yeah man absolutely yeah charlie uh came out to a show that we were doing and you you were you were hanging with him and we all got to kind of uh got to hang a little bit at that club i can't remember exactly what it was called
0: I can uh, never remember remember the names. yeah
1: yeah quite a small stage I remember that's all but yeah that was fun man it was good
0: times yeah we all were kind of touring through South by and uh you were with low cut Connie at the time and I know that yeah uh, you posted something really cute and and really just like brutally honest at the same time a few months ago, yeah. so Low Cut Connie put out a record called Private Lives which I I believe is technically a double LP for whatever that's worth for those keeping track at home but yeah. um, you posted something that I thought was really funny and it it kind of said something like I don't really like Adam very much and I don't think he likes me very much, but there's a lot of good music on this record <laughs> so you should dive into it <laughs> And I was like, that's the best, like, non-burn, but just sort of subtle, you know, uh, insight into the vibe band dynamic between two people that don't really (laughs) care for each other.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was definitely feeling a certain way in in writing that. And I feel like I ended up, I think it, it, it was only up for a short period of time. But, I mean, I think... Yeah, just being so close to stuff, to to something like that, like a a project or being in a band like that for a while, and just letting emotions get the best of you can be tough. But yeah, we didn't. I mean, you know, I love love him, have love for him, loved him very much, but we didn't necessarily end on great terms, um, which is cool. It's all right, you know. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh. I mean, the the record is was great though. You know, like recording it was a pretty wild experience. We had our own wild run of events and like crazy uh, moments throughout it, but uh, kind of a circus. You know, we kind of recorded it all over the country and stuff. But um, it was, you know, it's just uh, a little bit of a crazy time. That's all. But yeah. I haven't really seen or talked to Adam much since we're not like on great terms. And I saw when I went back to Philly for just a couple months in the summer to visit friends and family, I didn't, uh, I saw a couple of my old buds from the band, uh, one, one dude in particular, but still in the band. So I was like, you know, I have, uh, I have love for everybody. I just, uh, we haven't gotten there yet. We haven't <laughs> had our moment
0: yet. For, yeah, so, no, I, I wasn't so. fishing for dirt. I was I just complimenting own. you on uh, <laughs> tactfully handling that. I thought it was it was pretty cool. Um, but I, I do just want to ask kind of from a logistical perspective, was Loka Connie the band uh, that really kind of introduced you to touring and, and, and traveling for music? Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. I did, I had a, band prior uh that did just like a few shows out of town and the band was kind of like coming to an end at the moment that I had get gotten the opportunity to potentially join Lokakani and it was going to be a lot more touring and uh and that was like a whole thing where I was you know uh it was something i needed to do i wanted to do and it seemed like it was a good group of people to kind of get involved in with um so yeah it was it was really great i mean i we think at one point we were doing like you know 200 or 250 days out on the road wow. with the band and stuff so it was it was like a, a great immediate um uh, just like per like to like uh binge into uh the, the touring life basically yeah it was like right away because I was only in the band a couple weeks and then it was like went to re- record um the up uh, the couple records that came out just before that and stuff uh the last the private lives record the ones that came out prior to that and so it was like it all the ball just started rolling pretty quickly and then just like uh just didn't really stop for the few years and, and I don't think it you know, I don't know if he ever will, so I think that ball will keep rolling for a while. But my uh yeah, it was it was great. It was great introduction and, and lessons of of a lot of things in music and touring and recording and everything.
0: Yeah, man. That's awesome. Well you're a hell of a player and you and I kinda of met because Charlie Stavish, who, you know, as I've mentioned on this podcast, yeah. is, is is a longtime friend of mine and a longtime producer of mine. And I sent him... Uh, I was on tour in, um, in Europe, and I sent him a couple demos, and I said, here's how I'm playing these songs over here, solo. But yeah. put them through your proverbial wheelhouse and let me know what you think. And he immediately mentioned uh, you and Aaron being the rhythm section on it, and I... I kind of just went for it. Normally, I'm a lot more in my head about those kind of decisions, but I just thought it's the end of the year; it's going to be the holidays soon. Let's just fucking go for it. And um, those that day and a half with you and uh, with you and Aaron, where we did a song called "They Poisoned Our Fathers," which came out last year, and we did a song called "Panic," that's going to be on the new record, Oblivion. Um, that's coming out soon. I it just it was like it opened up like a whole new way of looking at how Divided Heaven releases music and, and uh, has song yeah. structure and everything. Do, do you remember, because I mean, I know you're in the studio all the time, so this is a little bit of a silly question, but do you recall the session that we had um, prior to this pandemic taking hold where, where the three of us just kind of locked in for that day and a half?
1: Yeah, I do. I was like on the tail end of another session that I was finishing up or getting ready to do. And, um, I just, yeah, I, you know, like you said, we had met previously in Austin and, you know, Charlie had kind of, I feel like, you know, your music had come up a decent amount when we would just be hanging and talking and stuff because you guys would worked together and good buds. Yeah, And so, um, yeah, it was just the uh, it was you know when Charlie gave the offer out there to come and sit you know play with with you and Aaron on some stuff. I figured it would be great, so I was I was definitely pumped to get in there and record.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. When I released "They Poisoned Our Fathers" last fall, it was very much a politically centric song, and so it was timed purposefully around the release or excuse me around the election and um you know i had just moved back to pennsylvania at that point so my purview from relocating to a swing state was it just had my political tensions running at an all-time high and that yeah. song hit on so many levels but i thought it was funny and i wanted to share with you that there were three different bass players that i know from other bands and even one that used to be in divided heaven that reached out to me <laughs> and said, "Who the fuck is that bass player on that fucking track? He is so good." And oh, wow. like, well, so... let me tell you who.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's yeah, always, you know, it's what I love doing. Love playing, so I appreciate the compliments. Thank you.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> we just released the first single off of the new record. And the record's called Oblivion. That's coming out in February, and the first single was called "Burn
1: Me." Yeah,
0: and that was a song yeah, that I you remember. laid down bass for as well, but it was kind of after the fact.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that one for sure. Yeah, both of that I was, I was just kind of like listening back to what we had worked on together, and I was like, I definitely played on this one, that, the, the "Burn Me." <laughs> So I was like, I was like, I remember this one. Definitely was on this because Charlie was kind of explaining that the release is going to be stuff from sessions all over, maybe or something like that. Is that you're like doing? Or, yeah, do I mean, like a the
0: record of? is ten songs. Four of them are Charlie songs. Three of them I did with I did in Antwerp with a producer over there named Tim Van Dorn, and then one I did in L.A. with a pop producer Mike Biancanello, and then I did two with. Frank Turner, actually. An interesting experience because we had to do it remote because he wasn't touring and I wasn't Mm. touring. And so there was no way for us to do that. So it was doing that and then also working with you and Charlie remote to kind of get all of the tracks done was an interesting experience because I feel like it's kind of set a good precedent for what I can do moving forward.
1: Yeah. You know? The game can kind kind of change a little bit. And just roll with it, and not uh, feel like it's a, a loss. Kind of make it a gain, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. One of the things I love about your style of playing, and it's truly exemplified on "Burn Me," is that like you rest in the pocket, but you don't rest in stagnation. You have like a kind of a hyper way of playing, and I guess that's a nice way of saying like you right. don't you don't stay on one note for very long, for layman's terms. Um, right (laughs) how how did you kind of develop the style that you have because it 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 does feel very unique and and obviously talented but it also watching you in the studio it comes very naturally to you as well
1: yeah thanks i i well I, i think just playing a lot i've just played a lot of uh been playing a lot for a while but the main inspirations uh for bass for me have always been like uh um started out as like uh you know as a teenager like you know john paul jones or like geezer butler or like black sabbath and led zeppelin and stuff like that Was like oh you gotta be able to play all that stuff and then as i became a little older uh into my 20s i got really uh just fascinated with the motown sound and james jamerson and so that is like the movement of all movements within, like the craziest pop arrangements, it's it's still like just the density of all the recordings and what he is doing underneath of all of everything else that's happening on the track and does not step on anyone's feet really ever. Just is always adding and never taking away. Sure. It was huge, or like John Entwistle or Paul McCartney. It's just like all these people that got a lot of inspiration from Motown and all of the like that kind of soul or stacks and you know in Memphis and Booker T and the MGs or right now I'm currently watching for the a mil- millionth time the Muscle Shoals documentary cuz it's like my favorite one of my favorites but just the R&B and soul sound mixed with like that rock and roll of the 60s and electrified stuff I feel like was what always drove me to want to just play and learn or stuff that I would hear I'd be interested in, in learning, you know, basically. So that's a lot of all that's where all my really inspiration comes from, from the base. And then it's just comes down from song to song and what you can kind of make, you know, what you can give and not take basically in so many ways, what you can add and not subtract. Even if it's by doing not a lot, but maybe it is. I don't know. I
0: don't know. Yeah. Now, You're you're veering dangerously close to some sort of Michael Scott quote. Ad- yeah. Addition by subtraction. Oh uh, no, sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Cool yeah, man. By the, the, yeah. The way of Michael Scott.
0: Yeah. Well, I I appreciate that, and thanks for everything you did on on my record. Um. You don't seem to be much of, of a uh, yeah. You don't seem to be much of a kind of um self-promoter you're just kind of a player's player is that a fair assessment
1: (laughs) i suck at promoting myself but i will start doing so uh soon and maybe i'll use this platform to start doing that right now but i've recorded a bunch of music over the pandemic and i'm gonna start getting my stuff out there eventually too so i will i will be a supporter of myself and a promoter of myself but uh yeah i'm not very good at i'm not very good at it but i like uh you know i think the word of mouth is always the great greatest um greatest way to spread info so as far as that goes so um you know if i have people like you that are happy happy customers and friends that want to uh, you know potentially you know let their friends know Oh, then maybe that world will just get a little bigger and smaller at the same time, addition by subtraction. You know? <laughs>
0: well, that's right. Well, anybody in, in Southern California that wants to have a great bass player on their tracks, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, judging by the the shoddy Wi-Fi he's got, he is in the middle of nowhere out in the desert. So that, that is the uh, yeah the we'll, compromise. We'll
1: get to a Starbucks. <laughs> we'll get to a Starbucks or something. We'll get the track done, whatever it takes. <laughs>
0: All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on my podcast. And thanks for playing on my record, man. I know people love the way you play, and it's going to be great to share that with everybody.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and glad we were able to get it together.
0: Short and sweet. Thanks for dealing with the technical difficulties, Luke. And thank you for listening. Appreciate it. I'll be back next week with another killer interview on the Berman Hour podcast, the Into Oblivion series on the Berman Hour podcast. Be sure to head to DividedHeaven.com to pre-order the new record, Oblivion, now. And I will talk to y'all soon. All right, let's get it.